Welcome to Dad Call, where growing isn't just for kids. Hi, I'm Steve Stout. I'm excited once again you've decided to join me as we continue our journey together as dads. Today we're going to talk about life stages, meshing the life stage that our children are in with our role as a dad. But before we start, let's review what the letters in Dad Call represent. D, determination. A, answer the call. D, direction. C, courage for the journey. A, accept responsibility. L, love. And L, listening. Well, this brings us to our topic for today, life stages. How are we going to mesh our children's life stages because we too are going through different life stages with our role as parents as they change. Well, we could probably take a survey and ask for opinions on how many life stages there are and probably come up with many different numbers. And I found five to be the most used number out there. And I believe there are actually more than just five. And the number I decided to settle on was 12. Now, I would also say that they're all equally important. I don't think there's one stage more important than another because life itself is important no matter the stage that we find ourselves in. Uh, For example, uh, and and I want to go over the life stages first, and and, and it's not just your kids are in a life stage. I'm in a different life stage than my kids, so we have to understand that. That's part of it. So once we realize each stage that our children are in, we notice where we are in the life stage, plus our role as a parent changes. And, I, and there's really four different roles that we're going to take on as a parent, and I'm going to talk about that towards the end. But I want to go over the life stages first today. Uh, pre-birth is number one. All right, this is God's plan is formed inside the womb, right? He made us. I'll never forget when each of my kids were in this stage. Uh, We would inch closer to birth, and you would start seeing and observing a hand or a foot pressing up against uh, my wife's belly. I would see, I mean, you could see the outline of it. I mean, all of a sudden they'd kick, and you'd see the foot, or a knee, or whatever it was, an elbow, a hand, and it was so amazing. And then you would go in, and you would look at the ultrasound, and you could hear the heartbeat. You could see the the child and and moving around inside the womb. And now, I mean, it's even more amazing. I mean, the way they've come up with those. And and, and that brings me to Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. All right, so we've established that the first step we're under that first stage is the pre-birth. That means you're there, right? You exist, but Right now, there's just that whole idea that, boy, the potential is coming uh, on what we're going to have. You know, the potential is here. You know, what what are we going to do with this baby at this point? That's where you're at as a parent. And then to birth, the baby is now outside of the womb, and we can see uh, what we have long been anticipating, right? You can see all the kicks and the, the punches of the hands into the belly. We finally get to meet this bundle of joy that we've been waiting on. A newborn, though, requires 24, uh, 24-7 attention, and, and boy, it's feeding, diaper changes, you got to soothe them, you got to calm them, uh, you got to hold them, uh, reassure them, uh, and, and hearing them cry for the first time 
is a part of this at the birth. And, and the work begins, as we hope, for the best, for them and for us. Okay, then there's stage three. And that's zero to three, which is the infancy stage. And, and after birth, they still require feedings, right? They're, they're still less frequent, though, or at least we hope they are. Uh, diaper changes become less frequent. And, and they're awake more often. You know, they're alert now. Um, and, and as we start from, you know, and, and honestly, that zero to three month category, they're, 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 they're moving more and they may be alert a little bit more, but it's really that six months area where we start to see a lot of differences. Uh, they begin sitting up um, because all these other things are less frequent, but they're awake more, they're sitting up, and then they start to uh, maybe make out a few words here and there. You know, mama usually is a popular one, or daddy, uh, dada. Uh, remember that very well, just like it was yesterday. And they begin to move and develop some small skills of movement. And they begin to discover new things, right? You put things over them, toys, and they can grab them and make a rattle move. And, you know, their hands start to do the crossover uh, as they grab things. And, and so they're learning. They're, they're growing. Uh, they're maturing. They begin to use words. Uh, and, and even at the tail end of this, uh, you know, they're going to start forming sentences, uh, I, I remember the first sentences. A lot of my kids did those at about the 10 to, to 12 month range. And, and the doctor wouldn't believe it a lot of times. They can't be forming sentences. They were. And, and it does happen. Now, that doesn't mean my kids were geniuses. I'm not saying that. But it just, it does happen. Some kids mature quicker than others. Our kids always spoke really early. That's, and they walked early. Running and playing and motor skills start developing. And even in the very late stages of this, you know, about the, what, the uh, one, I don't know, maybe the one month to, to 18 months old, they probably start feeding themselves a little bit, like they can grab things and put it in their mouths and, you know, feeding themselves a little bit, but later on, even more so with a fork and, and a spoon and stuff like that. Well, then there's stage four, three to six years, early childhood. This is when they become um, playful in this development of life. Uh, they've learned to put all these sentences together, bigger sentences now. Now they're able to tell you what's wrong. So when they have a problem, they don't just cry and whine and, and they're keeping you up all night and you have no idea really what's going on. You just try different things, right? Well, now they're beginning to tell you that. And, and they still cry, but it's just not in the same way. There's, there's a little bit more. They, they can talk along with the crying where they couldn't do early on. Then stage five comes, and that's the 68, six to eight years, which is middle childhood. And this is when you can see their imagination really starting to develop, okay? And then there's the 9 to 11-year-old uh, phase where this is the late childhood uh, is starting to develop, and we, we can begin to see some ingenuity come to light here. Uh, they're starting to figure things out, all right? And then stage 7, 12 to 18 is that adolescent stage, a very rough stage, because here their bodies are going to start to change from a child to an adult. And they're becoming so emotional and passionate about things, which is great, but we have to kind of be careful with that, don't we? We don't want to, you know, you don't want to discourage them, but at the same time, you've got to harness that. And I'm going to use that word because I think it really fits here the best. But it's such a tough stage because you want them growing. This is an exciting time. It's a great time. Every stage is a great time. And we have to enjoy it all. Then we go to stage eight, and this is 18 to 35. Early adulthood begins, and they're trying to find a mate to share their life with, okay? They're, they're working on a career and a family of their own, and they also may believe that they know more than mom and dad at this point, all right? Then there's stage nine, which is 35 to 50, and it's when the midlife begins. A new understanding happens in this stage. Our goals change at least somewhat, and, and then life takes on a new meeting here. 
okay? And then there's stage number 10. And, and what really concerns me more than anything is that's where I find myself in now, is stage 10, the mature adulthood age, 50 to 65. Now, I'm on the low end of this, but you have established yourself, or at least you're very close to doing so by this time, or, or really should be close to it at this time. Not everybody. I mean, there, some people are a little later than others. We're going to talk about that in a few, uh, a little bit more in a few moments. But then there's uh, number 11, a late adulthood, 65 to 80. And this is the wisdom peak of life. This is where you've reached the top of the mountain. You're at the pinnacle now. And you've had so many experience in life by this point. And you're talking about them. You're not afraid to say it. You're not afraid to give your opinion. You know, you're a lot bolder with those things than maybe you were before. And then there's stage number 12, death. And I think this one, although we're not going to know about this one. So, you know, you look where I say I'm on stage 10 and then stage 11. Then comes stage 12 for me. So I'm on the, the, the farther end of things now than I was. I mean, there, there was so much ahead of me before. Now in this stage, I'm like, man, I got a lot behind me. But you know what? That's not necessarily true. There's still a lot of things to do before death. Um, and, and no matter what, if it's, if it's tomorrow, if it's tonight, there's still a lot to be done before that. And so we don't know when that's going to be. I mean, it can happen. Death can happen in any stage here. But certainly that death stage we know is coming eventually. And so I don't think we get a full grasp of that until someone dies, someone we care about dies. One of our loved ones goes. Uh, I'll never forget when my grandma, I was a very young age, I think I was seven when she died, and was on my dad's side. And when she passed away, I, I really, uh, you know, that really hit home with me. And it was hard and it was difficult, but it taught me a lot. And because you've had them in your life ever since you can remember, and, and I had her for seven years, okay? A majority of that, or at least part of it, I shouldn't say a majority, but a part of that, I don't even remember that part. Until I was about two or three, then I, I kind of remember. So I had about four years, really, or five, that I remember with my grandma, but I remember how much I loved her. But it also taught me the value of life with that, and how we could live life to the fullest. And also learning from death, when my dad died in 2000, it also taught me the value of death. Because I don't have him around anymore. And it's hard to believe that's been 19 years, but it has. Time goes by fast. So Proverbs 16.31 says, A gray head are a crown of glory, and it is found in the way of righteousness. Proverbs 20.29, 20, The glory of young men is their strength, and the honor of old men is their gray hair. See, I don't rely on my strength as I get older. And I can't. And honestly, the older we get, the less we're going to be able to rely on some strength and being able to do some things. But you know, that gray hair, there's a lot of wisdom. So now I look at things, boy, if I could just pick, you know, before I just pick something up or I'd move it, you know, by brute strength alone. Now I look at it and think, hmm, I need to figure out a way. What's the best way and the easiest way to move this? So we must adjust our parenting to address each stage of life. Uh, you know, I start out as a general when they're little and that's, that's where we're at now. You know, now we're talking about our roles, where we're at as parents. What's, what stage are we in as a parent now? And so when, when they're little, when they're crying all the time and you got to feed them and, and diaper changes and stuff, and even, uh, and, and this can change, this general phase can, stay, can change a little bit depending on how mature your child is maturing or how fast your child is maturing, I should say. If they're maturing really fast, some kids can you know, talk earlier. Some, kid can, some kids can, can walk earlier. Some kids can feed themselves earlier. They just learn that. They have different skills with that. Okay, so th this general phase really happens when they're little. They have zero knowledge of how anything works, and they're dependent upon us for everything. 
And basically here what we're doing is we're just giving them answers as yes and no. And then I'm going to follow that up with, with a reason why or why not. Okay. That's what I'm doing. I've got to be able to transition from general to coach as they age and grow. So eventually, not only am I saying yes and no, but then we start that coaching phase. Okay. But it's a transition. It's just not like one day you're, you're the uh, general, the next day you're the coach. It's a transition area. And, you know, some things they're going to need still a yes and a no on, but there's also a little more coaching with what they can do and, and, and encouraging that. So we start coaching them by offering them different choices, right? Um, I do not offer choices that will knowingly cause them harm, however. You know, if I know that's going to hurt them or they're going to get hurt doing that, no, that's not a choice for them that I want to give them. But I start testing them right before that happens, right? You're going to test them. You're going to say, okay, uh, I, I, I'm going to issue jobs that are age appropriate, right? Uh, but I want to offer them a challenge. I don't want to just throw them a softball here. I do want to offer some challenge in there, but their age is going to depend on the challenge. And one of the examples I would have is, you know, I will let my kids operate the power, the, the gas-powered splitter that we have uh, for wood, but I'm not going to allow them to, to use the chainsaw yet. You know, there's, there's going to be an age. Uh, I mean, that's going to be a while before they're taking on that phase, okay? The, the splitter, they're not going to eliminate themselves from the gene pool with it. You know, it's pretty simple. It moves slower. It's easier. Um, I'm going to be there. There's, there's really not much they're going to be able to do. Can they pinch their fingers or something like that with a piece of wood? Absolutely. I do that still. But they're not going to cut their arm off with it. So it's important that uh, to know that some kids mature faster in some areas. And we need wisdom and discernment in deciphering what they can handle. Teaching them to safely operate equipment is the utmost importance. You know, whatever it is they're doing. I mean, it might be a computer. They still need to know how to operate it, right? They still need to know what to do and the, and the safe ways of doing so. Uh, being on the Internet, uh, what movies to watch and what not to watch, what's good for their mind, what's going to harm their mind. The goal is for them to gain experience as they begin making their own decisions. That's what we're trying to do in that phase. Okay, that, that's part of our, our, as we make that transition to being a coach. Now, if we truly have a biblical love for our kids, our goal is really to take them from dependence to independence, right? So the day is coming for all of us as dads that we will no longer be the driving influence in our kids' lives. We transition then, at that point, from coach to a guidance counselor. That's, that's where we're at. So again, it's not going to happen overnight. But it's going to transition over time. So when they ask you permission to do things, and this is what I do with my kids, there's some things that they're going to ask me to do permission uh, to get permission for. Then my response is going to be with a question of my own in return. An example would be this: uh, My son may ask me to play a video game that's rated T for Teen. Okay. Now he's 12. He's getting ready to turn 13 in June, and I'll respond. What decision would you make if it was yours to make? Okay, you see see what we what I'm doing there. Why would you make that decision then? So if I ask him, would you let you, if you were me, would you let you play that game that says it's rated T for Teen? Now, I'm going to listen to him as he tells me why he would or why he would not, and and, and then I'm going to say, well, why would you make that decision? Why? And as they're explaining that, or as he's explaining that, then I'm also learning myself to know if he's going to be okay to make decisions. Is he going through uh, the proper channel, or does he have the right process to make that decision? 
there's so much freedom in making decisions, right? But can he handle his freedom? That's the question here, or, or her at this point. So this is a hard phase because they're going to make some poor decisions along the way. And you're, and you're going to see that. My kids make poor decisions sometimes. But it's important that we let them make those decisions, although they have to be age appropriate. Very important to note that. Now, suffering the consequences is sometimes a better teacher. Let's face it, it is. The most, of, the most lessons that I've learned the most from are not one that was told to me, but it was one that I experienced myself as hard as it, it may have been. My youngest son, I'm going to give you an example, wanted to purchase a cheap Lego set with some money that he had saved. Okay, now he's seven, and he didn't have enough money to buy the nicer built set. Okay, he only needed about $10 more to reach that price for the nicer set. Now, could I have come up with the other 10 bucks to do that? Sure, I could have, but here's the deal. I want to teach him the value of money. I want to teach him what to do in making decisions on spending that money, and so, you know, is this going to be a lesson that he can use? Uh, yeah. Did he still have some good out of it? Absolutely. Uh, would he have changed it? Well, I asked him if he wanted to wait or purchase this set now. So he went ahead and he bought the cheap set. Why? Well, he's seven. And, and so it's right now I want it. Uh, I've got to do it. It's an emotional thing, right, when you're seven. And sometimes even as men we do that. So the cheap set had pieces that broke very easily. Okay, so he went ahead and bought that cheap set. Uh, it came in a plastic bag instead of a box, so he lost some pieces from the set. And, and it wasn't maybe the next day that he told me he should have waited to buy the other set. Okay, he was upset. He cried some tears. Uh, but here's the deal. Age and experience seem to help with decision-making, or at least it should, although it can do this very slowly. Okay, it's not always... He doesn't, you know, they don't always realize it the next day, although he did in this case. But they don't always realize that. And sometimes they have to understand, I have to wait. And it, and it teaches them that. So dads eventually come to the time where we transition from guidance counselor to then all of a sudden, we're just a, a, a mere consultant at this point. Now, this is the hardest of all. But if we have successfully handled the stages leading up to this, then it does not have to be as a fearful or a difficult of a time. Uh, the difficult task here is that we're comfortable in our influence on this point, or at this point. Um, this last stage will start differently depending on your child. Some kids mature more quickly. The temptation of holding on to, to the guidance counselor too long is also going to rear its ugly head. Okay, We, we may want to be that guidance counselor even when they're really supposed to be at that dependent stage or more in the dependent stage. You understand what I'm saying? We may, we, we push too hard, okay? And, and I see this happen with people, and I've had people tell me this. They say, be very careful about over-parenting when they're older, okay? Because this last stage will start differently depending on our kids. And some kids will mature more quickly, just like I talked about earlier, and the temptation of holding on to it is just going to be there. And it can do some major damage if we refuse to let go. It's important to note that we are not finished as a parent, but our role is completely different. And it's so important that every, every role is different. Okay, we're not done. We're never going to be done being dads. Understand that. I'm never going to be done being a dad. But with that said my role is going to change. 
over time. And, and that's really what I wanted to do today is show your kids you respect their independence by making yourself available to help, but you don't want to intrude. Okay. Now I've seen this happen a couple different ways. I've seen parents that were still trying to be real controlling. Maybe they were controlling even when their kids were young, but they're still trying to say, it's my way. This is how it is. This is what you're going to do. And you know, on down the line, well, that's fine. You can do that. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying you got to be aware that there can be some, an intrusion factor there for your child, however old they may be. Okay. Um, and the other side of it, I've seen a passive uh, approach to this where it's the guilt trip phase with your kids. You know, uh, do this, uh, you know, guilt them into doing things, not because they actually made the decision, but it's because of your influence of making them feel guilty um, didn't help matters. And it might be as much as just coming to visit them more or, you know, come and visit us more or you're not doing this. You know, you're, that made your dad feel really, I mean, it's those kind of things. And Sometimes we may have good intentions with that, but it doesn't always help things. And again, you can drive a wedge there. So stomping on their independence can produce resistance and resentment. And so, and that's 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 your gamble right here. If you're not real careful with what you're going to do at this phase, so my plan here is to simply say, and this is what I want you to know, and where I think this is best, and from from my wisdom that I've gained from other people. And I've talked to a lot of people. It's like I've told you before. You need to talk to people that have grown children. All right? Find out. They're in the phase, the final phase of where parenting is. Find out once your kids are close to that or starting to go into that, you know, that make that transition. Once you talk to them, they can give you some very good insight. And this is exactly what I've come up with. My plan here is to simply say I love you. I'm here for you if you need me. I'm praying for you, and I trust you because we've been preparing you for this all your life. And that's it. I know that sounds simple because it is. I know it might even be a little bit uncomfortable, and it is. But guess what? That's a part of being a dad. Well, I hope you gained something today from all of this that we've talked about. I think it's important, and I think it's important uh, all the way across the board for us to understand the stage of, of life that our children are in, the stage of life we're in, and how our role as a parent is changing and transforming really each and every day. So I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you gained something from today's episode. I invite you to join me each and every week. And if you are finding encouragement, please invite your friends to listen to the Dad Call podcast, where growing isn't just for kids. I publish the podcast uh, each and every week, and, and follow us on Facebook. Be sure to share your thoughts with us. You may also email me at the number 5dadcall at gmail.com with questions, comments, and prayer requests, which are always welcome. And please know, if you're a listener, you're being prayed for every day. Be sure and join us next week as we discuss perseverance. I want to leave you with this quote today. We come fresh to the different stages of life. And in each of them, we are quite inexperienced, no matter how old we are. God bless, and I look forward to talking to you next week.